Hello guys, I am Ricardo de la Blanca. During the last 20 years, I've been working in different parts of the world where I met very interesting people. People who accomplish what seems impossible. People who make mistakes. Fun and passionate people. People from whom we are going to learn what no school or university can teach. We're going to learn from leaders. Tony Clement, such a privilege that you are here in these interviews sharing your story. As I told you before, Tony, um, the idea of this podcast, of these interviews, is to show the story, the, the, the life of uh, leaders and show to the people that not have been exactly the pandemic, but so many tough and hard times in the past of each of you and the, the, the way how you uh, saw the situation, the way how you put a positive energy was the key to transform a problem in, into an opportunity. So Tony, again, thank you very much. For the people that don't know Tony, I, I'm not gonna talk about Canada because in Canada, everybody knows Tony. And in fact, in, in, the, in the politicals, every single person knows Tony. But I, I consider a good friend of Tony. We have been working and I saw very close the hard work and the amazing work that he has been doing in IDU, International Democratic Union. So it's fantastic, all the effort, putting together all the center-right parties in the world. We have been together in South Korea, Sri Lanka, Bosnia, different, uh, different countries, richest, poor, newest, uh, older, so, uh, and getting the best and putting together people. So in some way, um, what we're doing here is again putting together beautiful stories and, and get, get people inspired. So thank you again, Tony, and please tell me your story. Thank you. No, it's a great honor to be on your program and to connect with your uh, listenership. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I suppose in answer to your question, um, when I look back on uh, really 40 years of political activity, starting as a volunteer and then uh, moving up into the party hierarchy of uh, the Progressive Conservative Party uh, in Ontario and the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, getting elected to the Ontario legislature, getting elected to the national parliament. Um, it's a story, I believe, of dealing with adversity. And that's what makes it a timeless story because there are exceptions. There, there's maybe 1% uh, of political actors who never have any difficulty or never have any obstacles. Uh, it's a straight line from uh, starting out and reaching the apex of power. Uh, maybe there are stories like that, uh, but uh, that isn't my story. And that, I would argue, is not the story of 99.9% .9 of political actors. Everybody has had to deal with uh, adversity, setback failure, loss, uh, and it really you define yourself on how you deal with those difficult situations much more than how you deal with victory and success and advancement. Uh, anyone can deal with advancement and success. It's, it's a lot it's more so difficult true. to deal with, with adversity and failure. So when uh, basically uh, I, I was never a quitter. Uh, I had this trite saying uh, 
winners never quit and quitters never win. <laughs> and uh, when I when I dealt with adversity, I would just put my head down and uh, and uh, try again, uh, learn from the mistakes, obviously, because uh, there you know perfection on earth is not possible. Uh, and and then move forward uh, to the best of my ability. So let me stop you one second, Tony, because is when mm. you say when you were saying that it's so true. And and if, for example, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, if you have a mistake or something go wrong in your company, in some way it's kind of a little bit private. But in a politician like you, when you don't win an election, oh my God, it's your face, it's your effort. So they they down. So. I, I totally agree with you that should be a lot worse when you're a politician and, and have, you know, something wrong than when it's a, you know, a private company that, that so it's, it's even worse. And I, and I love the, and in fact, in my, in this podcast, I also take different phrases, Tony, I'm going to steal this phrase that I love it. So please well, you know, and, and, and the first, uh, the first election I ran in, uh, which was uh, in 1994, I ran for municipal office in Toronto. And uh, I, I was a newcomer, um, and there were uh, four main candidates, and the three of the candidates were conservative, and then one candidate was a social democratic candidate. Uh, and uh, guess who won? Uh, the social democratic candidate won with thirty-seven uh, percent of the vote. Uh, but I worked so hard in that election, um, and was not successful. And I thought, you know. That's it. I, I had my my shot at it, and uh, it didn't work out. I I I will continue to be a lawyer. I'll I'll work in business for ten years. Maybe I'll try in ten years. And that was in night the fall of 1994. Uh, in the winter of 1995, just three or four months later, uh, I got approached to run in a, a constituency for the Ontario Legislature because the election was going to be taking place in June of 1995. And I said, I said to my mentor, uh, you know, uh, that doesn't make, I just lost, you know, how can I, how can I now rebound and win? And he said, no, no, I think you're the right candidate and you have uh, political experience and you're, you've been active in the party. Uh, by that point, I'd been active uh, for 20 years. And so um, I, I said, um, well, you know, Maybe this is my shot. I felt that the, uh, we were we had been in opposition for many many years. Uh, the uh, the government of the day, which was a social democratic government, was very unpopular. So I thought, you know, this is a this is a chance to to take a chance. And uh, really, I didn't feel I had much to lose because I had I had already lost a campaign. I knew what that was like to lose uh, to lose after a campaign. Having another loss didn't seem like such a bad thing uh, but uh, having having a win and being part of a new change oriented cons conservative government that's what i wanted to do so well, well, well one second I, tony you, you say two beautiful things also to be very clear yes you yes, had yes. you had a mentor it's so important to have in so life important. mentors in different fields and in fact i have I, ha i can tell you that my mentor in politics is also a good friend of you eva gustafson because eva oh, in some okay. way <laughs> eva in some Lovely. way I'm, I, I'm like the, he's, he's his son. So he really, he really understood the value that I can maybe bring to parties in communication, but in some way he took me. But 
all the things that I learned from Eva, all this opportunity. In fact, this call is thanks to Eva because in some way she's the one introducing me to IDU, to Harmerson Foundation. So it's fantastic. So to, to, to the people that are listening, it's so important to always go close to people that know more than you, are more smart than you, and try to learn from them. Bring value, of course, because you, you can be a person that is just there because in some way they, you need to also bring value to the table. But it's so important that, and the second thing that I want to rescue from your words, Tony, is that uh, you just transform a failure in something good. You just said, since I already lost, I, I'm, I'm sad. It's like, so in some way, is something positive because you know the, the, the pain that you can see, feel and there's nothing else. So you can go, so I already fell. So we can, we can just win. So I love it. So, and this is the way to see the things. And I, I'm, I'm glad you, you said it that way. And I think it's true. Having a mentor uh, makes a huge difference. There's no question about it. Uh, someone you can approach, someone who has experience, uh, who has uh, the depth of knowledge that you don't have as a younger person, perhaps. I think that that is very, very important. And the other thing that was important in, in that successful election, uh, giving away the story, uh, is uh, that I brought, I was able to bring together a, a new team. And that is part of leadership. It, it's, it's not only being a strong, solid worker yourself, but can you attract people who are going to take the time, take the energy, uh, see the future, okay. believe in you, believe in, in what you can stand for, and work very hard on your behalf. Because uh, politics is not a solo uh, venture. It's, it's it really, you are team building. The same in business, by the way. When, you're, when you've got a business vision, you, uh, very few can do that completely solo. You've got to build a team around you. Uh, and, uh, and that is the hallmark of success. So that's what you have to do in politics, create a political, especially if, if uh, in my case, uh, the riding was opposition held. It was held by a, another party, another political party, the constituency was. And so I had to, I had to turn a history of losing into a winning team that, that was capable of winning. Uh, so, and that, that's what happened when I ran for parliament again in 2006 in a completely different constituency uh, than the one I had been representing in Ontario politics. There again, um, they, had, they had lost four times in a row uh, to the opposition party, to the contrary party to us, the, the Liberal Party in that case. So if I had asked the same people to run my campaign in 2006 that had run campaigns there since, uh, I think the last successful election was 1988, and it was 2006. So if I asked the same people who had been around from 1988 to 2006 to run my campaign, guess what? I probably wouldn't have won. Uh, because the, they, they, they're very good at coming in second, not so good at coming in first. And uh, that, that did all the difference. Having uh, on my team new people with new ideas, uh, a new vision, a new focus. And that election, I won by 0.01%. Uh, so it was the closest election. Wow. We have first past the post, first past the post in Canada. 
uh, it's not proportional representation. So uh, you have to win each constituency by a plurality of votes. And uh, uh, that was the closest election in that parliament uh, out of, you know, out of the 308 uh, seats. So um, uh, how did that happen? And by the way, I knocked off, the, the incumbent that I knocked off was the Minister of Agriculture. It wasn't as if it was just some quiet backbencher with, I mean, he was the Minister of Agriculture and I came in and, and, and won the riding, uh, uh, the constituency. So, so again, team building. Uh, and I would say the final piece of the puzzle is have a focus message. When I ran municipally, I, I, I ran saying, elect me, I'm going to work hard for you. There was no, there was no compelling vision there. Uh, but uh, in provincial and federal politics, I was part of a team that had a compelling vision in both cases of change. We were defeating an incumbent government that was a non-conservative government. Uh, how did we do that? It was not only that it was time for a change. That's the easy part to say time for a change. It, you have to also have a compelling vision of change, a better future for people, people, something that people can latch onto and say, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with the, I'm not gonna go with the devil I know. I'm going to go with change but it's change that is going to be uh, helpful for me and my family, change that will be helpful for my community, change that I can trust, change that I need not fear. Uh, because in Canada, at least, maybe some other parts of the world, you know, people can be fearful of change. Uh, change is not always a good phrase uh, because it may mean a diminution in their ability to survive uh, economically and, and otherwise. So uh, I think that's the other key critical element uh, for political actors is, is have that compelling vision that brings people along for the ride that they realize that they, they can invest in that. See, well, 100% because a different, in a company, you can offer a salary, you can offer this or that. So I, the politician have kind of two works. First of all, convince a really good team to work with you and, 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 you know, be, be in the same line of the same ideas and then together go and convince the, the voters. So it, it's very complicated. And again, without, so I, I've been very close to politicians and, and it's so hard because in, in companies, um, I'm going to say it's a little bit dictatorship, but in some way the boss make one rule and it's, that's it. But a politician is always need to convince the members. So for me, it's, oh my God, so much work. Because it's really a, never an imposition. It need to be something that you, through the, 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 your example, through the thing that you're doing, through the, the clear vision that you're selling, convince them to put all this energy. And also, I, I like what you said, that uh, you are not the typical leader that have your ideas and they need to follow you. The beauty about that team is that you are open to help and to work together with a lot of people and get the best from all of them. This is another beautiful thing to, to make successful campaigns. A successful campaign is not just from a big personality. is more a person that has this ability to uh, show this positive view, help every single member to get the best from them and, and together push and feel and make every single person feel that they are part of this movement, part of this change. It's so important to give this um, a sense of ownership to each member. 
Yes, you said you said it very well, and I would go one step further from what you've just said, and say that is not only the requirement in politics nowadays; it's also the requirement in business. I think you were quite right that in in generations gone by, business was much more top down. Uh, business was much more. Uh, this is the way it's going to be in this company, uh, and uh, you either accept that or leave the company. Let's say. Uh, what has the research that I have seen uh, in recent years indicates that millennials uh, don't see don't see company culture that way. Millennials want to believe in the company. The company has to have their values. Uh, the company has to stand for the things that they believe in, and then they will they will come along and be a successful partner in that company. If uh, if a company ignores that and ignores the values, ignores uh, you know, the, the social and political trends, uh, then millennials will just shrug and walk away. Uh, that seems to be the, the change in company culture. So uh, uh, leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, company builders have to keep all of that in mind now, whereas before it was, uh, you, you know, who cares about what I think about a particular political issue? You are my employee and you do what I say. It doesn't work that way anymore. It's true. Absolutely. Tony, so going back to, to your life, so you, you grow up always in Ontario or where you grow up when, when, I, when I was a kid? So, yeah, so I was actually born in Manchester, UK, and uh, uh, my, uh, wow. in the UK, yeah, and my father was from the, uh, uh, the island of Cyprus, okay. uh, Greek uh, Cypriot, and he emigrated to the UK where he met my mother in Manchester. And uh, my mother's family was actually from uh, from Syria and Egypt and in the Middle wow. East. Uh, and uh, but uh, they met in they met in Manchester, and I was born. And uh, they they wanted um, at the time. This is talking in the early '60s in the UK. Uh, wasn't a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs. Uh, it was uh, the society was still rebuilding after the Second World War, and uh, it was kind of a miserable place, uh, to be honest. So uh, they, uh, they left, they emigrated to Canada. Uh, and uh, in, in Ontario, uh, you know, the most populous province in Canada. And uh, they, they wanted a life where, where my dad and the family could get ahead. It's the immigrant uh, dream. It's, of course. it's what brings, brings so many people to Canada. And that is still the case. People want a, a new life and a new start. And uh, they, they believe they can achieve their their dreams in a safe uh, society that, that uh, Canada generally offers. So, uh, so we moved uh, to uh, a city called Hamilton, which is a very industrial city. Uh, it's about an hour's drive from Toronto. Eventually, uh, my parents split up and my mother and I moved to Toronto, where my mother uh, worked uh, in the Legislative Assembly for one of the, uh, the members of the Legislative Assembly. Uh, and uh, that was my first taste of politics was through that, exactly. uh, through her workplace. And uh, I, you know, I was 14 years old, uh, you know, uh, and uh, there was an election called and uh, I was, uh, I, was uh, incur I was encouraged to help out to put leaflets in mailboxes, whatever. <laughs> uh, and I, I caught, I caught the political bug for sure. And it was a time. Uh, you know, people say, well, why conservative? Well, I, I love freedom. I'm a freedom lover. I love choice in my life and I love people. 
uh, that uh, I love systems that allow people to make choices, both in market economies and, and in the political marketplace. Uh, and uh, at the time, um, you know, the, 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 it was the time of the Cold War. It was the time of uh, communism, Soviet communism on the march and in places like Africa and uh, Asia. The, the, the Vietnam War was just concluding. Uh, not in a good way for for America, let's say, uh, or for people who valued freedom, uh, and so uh, the, that's what I reacted against. I mean, you can say reactionary, but what is reactionary? Reactionary is reacting against something that you find unpalatable or untrue or uh, or uh, hurtful to humanity. Of course, and uh, um, that's that's what led me to the conservative side, and in in Canada. In the mid seven, 1970s, uh, we'd had uh, the same. Uh, the it was a liberal government, a left of center government, from 1963 onwards. Uh, and uh, so again, time for a change there. Uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's father, uh, was long ensconced uh, since uh, uh, since uh, 1968. Uh, he was Prime Minister of Canada, so. Uh, I was not a fan of Pierre Trudeau, and he was a very statist politician. He liked to hang around with Fidel Castro. Exactly. Uh, thought uh, thought China was a good model, just like his son does. Wow. Uh, and uh, and so uh, I did not take to that. I I took to the to the side that said, no, we want more freedom. We want more market economy. Uh, we want more choices to be made by individuals, not by the state. And that's okay, what but, led but, but me you, to be a conservative. But, but you were 14, helping your mom, and then uh, you wasn't still in the school. Then you you decide to study law. Yes, so uh, I, I was very active in university campus politics as well, and got elected to leadership positions in student government and in the and government of the of the university because there were student uh, governors as well as uh, others. And uh, so uh, uh, to me, uh, going to law school at the time was a logical place to pick up a profession. Uh, and uh, what I liked about going to law school was uh, I learned how to critically think because law school teaches you critical legal thinking. Uh, and at the, uh, at the end of the day, you're never unemployed. You can always be a lawyer, regardless of whether you have success or failure. What are you doing? You don't have to say you're a consultant. You can say you're a lawyer. Uh, and you, you always have that profession. Uh, so uh, to, to me, it was a good fallback position, which I have used on occasion, for sure, as, uh, as uh, sometimes failure and success compete with one another. Uh, okay. So it was a good sort of career move to to be a, a lawyer right. and i did practice law for a while for a few years here and there although that was not the main focus of my business career got it but let me go back a little bit so you joined the party when you were in the school or in the university or later it was i was in high school i in was the, in, in high school in, in high school okay. i was so i was in finished, the 10th grade got it you finished the career and you start working in a private sector yes so i started as a lawyer that's right Okay, and that's for right. how many years until you decide, you know what, I'm going to politics? Yeah, uh, well, I guess I got called to the bar to practice law in 1988. And as I say, my first time at an election was 1994. So not, uh, not too much time in between. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, Tony, I need to jump in, the, in some questions. So how old are you right now? 
59. 59, super. By the way, all these guitars, do you know how to play cool rhythm? I do. I'm a, I learned <laughs> it. I started when I, I started when I turned 50. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a more recent phenomenon, but uh, I, do, cool. I do play guitar. And I do have a I do have a rock band that I'm a part of too. So that's kind amazing. Of fun love part. it, love it. Okay, yeah, what, yeah. Do you remember Tony? When was the first time that you uh, earned some money? So when you were a kid, doing something or? Well, my first summer job uh, was working for my dad. My dad had a restaurant. Uh, oh. He he and his he and my uncle owned a restaurant, and uh, I my summer job was to be a busboy in the restaurant, just a little you know a helper clear the tables, okay. uh, set up the tables how again. Old you, how old you was at the time? Well, I was 15, and, uh, and uh, I earned $39 a week, which is not a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and I worked, my hours were from 10 in the morning till 2 in the morning. Because wow. the place, uh, the place that became a nightclub at night, and the, in the back banquet hall became a nightclub. So I worked uh, from 10 in the morning till 2 in the morning. I, I saw in all the interviews, Tony, that every single entrepreneur starts very early. And in fact, it's funny, the, 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 the restaurant word that you had, that my kid during, not this summer, last summer, um, he, was, he wanted to join, uh, start working, and, and we find a place in a, in a restaurant. And he was cleaning the restrooms and everything. And he said, oh my God, dad, I will never throw again a paper in the floor because now I know how, and it's so important to show people the value of money from the beginning. As soon as you can send your kids, or, or if you are, are listening to this and you're, not, and you're a kid, try to, to join to work in something, to, to get the real value of work. So it's, it's so important. value of work. Yeah, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I'm a big believer in the value of work. I believe God put us on the earth and he expects us to work hard and uh, nothing good happens when you're not working hard. Let's just put it that way. So uh, I, I think that that's, that's how I was raised, uh, how we've raised our children because we have three kids. Uh, my wife is a hard worker too. She's a lawyer. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's our philosophy as well. Love it. Uh, Tony, what is your biggest success? Well, I, you know, uh, I, I, could, I could rhyme off my positions, my ministerial positions, minister of industry, uh, uh, treasury, uh, health, care, health minister, but I, I prefer to look at it as things that I've accomplished rather than positions I've obtained. So uh, funnily enough, in the age of COVID-19 that we're in right now, I was the health minister back in 2003 when SARS hit Ontario. And uh, that was a major pandemic for Ontario during 2003 when SARS happened. So uh, guiding the province and the country through that as, as health minister, that was, a, that was a very challenging time. People were, were affected. There were deaths. And people, people got very sick. Um, but, uh, you know, I felt like I was put there to, to, to be part of the solution. And then, um, I would say, uh, next to that, when we had our economic crisis in 2008, the financial crisis, of course, I was the, I was the industry minister, uh, and, wow. uh, I had to do some, some ext extraordinary things. We helped uh, rescue with the, with the Obama administration, we rescued the auto sector in North America, and I was, I was because that's located in Ontario, and I was the industry minister uh, for wow. Canada. 
Uh, we had to do, you know, very significant negotiations with the Obama administration. We, we helped I, rescue I, the I auto sector. I don't know if your party loved you so much because you were in the too hard position in the yeah, worst yeah, time. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, and then we had, uh, then I was uh, head of the treasury when we had to balance the budget oh after the, uh, <laughs> after the, uh, the great recession. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the fact is, uh, you know, I had to make some tough decisions, had to, had to reduce spending in many areas. I think, I think we reduced spending in 600 different programs. And uh, so that was tough to do, but it got us back to a balanced budget. Now, of course, all the budgets everywhere are of course. insanely out of balance. Uh, and uh, that's going to be a tough road for, for, for countries. But at the time, it was a major accomplishment to get a balanced budget uh, in Canada again. Of course. Uh, and people have many or one big, what is your biggest uh, failure in life? If you have some or you have many? Yeah. I mean, I've had some pers personal failures where my personal failures have got in the way of my success. Uh, so I, I would put that at the top of the list. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, but uh, I think through God's grace, uh, because I am a, a man who has faith in my life, um, it's made me a better person and has, has saved me from, from the impact of my, my personal failures. Uh, and I've had, um, if you're in politics long enough, I was in politics for 25 years as an elected representative, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have successes and failures. So you've got to learn to deal with both. Uh, and uh, both, ca both can be corroding to your, uh, to your own soul. Success can corrode your soul and failure can corrode your soul. No, so, you uh, got to overcome both. When, when, what you just mentioned is absolutely true. So all this tough situation, all the bad things that happen in our life make us, if, if we really learn from that, make us a better person. So it's, it's, right. there is not a better way to learn that from, you know, problem, situation, challenge. So 100% with you. Um, uh, Tony, what is the best advice that someone gave you during your life? Oh gosh, uh, so much, uh, so many goodies. I, I, I got to tell you, uh, I, this is a bit of a cheat because no one gave me this advice, but I, I just learned this saying uh, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you're familiar with it, but it's a saying from Mike Tyson. Okay. Uh, and he said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and that is so true. We all think we've got the answers and then life comes along and we get punched Boom. in the face. Then what is your plan, right? <laughs> I love it. And I, I think that's it. a great way to look at, again, adversity, right? Uh, and so uh, I would, uh, that's the one I've been repeating uh, a lot uh, recently is the Mike Tyson advice about that. <laughs> I love it. Inspiration of legends. Do you have a, someone that is an inspiration for you, a, le a, le a, le um, a legend? Well, I guess in modern times, I'm a great uh, reader of history, so I, I've read all about, uh, you know, the, the great uh, leaders of the past, uh, Alexander the Great and, uh, and uh, Julius Caesar and, uh, you know, who, whomever. Um, but, of course, uh, for an English speaker there, uh, in more modern times, uh, it would be Winston Churchill. You know, uh, here is a man who um, was not, he was disregarded by everyone. Uh, his warnings were disregarded. And then at the hinge of history, in five days, he was able to be plucked from opposition to his own party, basically, uh, was asked to lead and turned around. I mean, the most people in Britain, people forget this, 
most people in Britain at the time, including the leadership, uh, wanted to appease Hitler. They, they wanted to strike a deal, you know, don't, don't invade Britain and we'll stay out of the war and uh, you can have your way in Europe and wherever you want. That was the, that was the establishment. Uh, Lord Halifax, who was the other contender to be prime minister uh, when Neville Chamberlain resigned, I hear that uh, even, and, even from the from the real house was people, you know, in oh, yeah. yeah, you know, the, the, the royal family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so uh, he stood up against all of that and he rallied the British people and he rallied the world. And uh, he said, we will not surrender to this fascism. Uh, we will not surrender to this man. We will fight them on the beaches, uh, house to house. We will never surrender. And he. He, the first thing he did before he def helped defeat Hitler, with, of course, the help of America and, and other brave souls in other parts of the world, before all of that, he had to turn around public opinion. And he did it by the power of his voice, the power of his words, the power of his speeches. That's all he had. And uh, it was able to turn around public opinion because people were just so, uh, you know, the, the morale was so low in Britain at the time, they were ready to strike a deal. And he said, no, we're going to fight and we're going to fight them and it's going to be bloody and it's going to be nasty. It's going to be horrible, but this is what we, we have to do. And, uh, you know, he, look, uh, you know, we've, we've had the controversy about the Churchill statues and all this kind of thing. I'm not saying he's a perfect man. I think we can look back and say, gee, you know, I wish he, he didn't have this or that. But for those who think, well, he had racist attitudes, he probably did and on some issues. But as my friend Daniel Hannon has said, uh, if you think Churchill has racist attitudes, you should see the guy that he beat. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hitler was the greatest racist of all time. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so uh, thank God that Churchill was there to, to help defeat uh, Hitler. 100%, 100%. Another thing that I rescue from your words, my friend, is that how educated are you? I think that something that we need to keep pushing is that in the political area, give more best practices, make politicians not jumping from, you know, whatever, uh, and just because they know how to talk. I think it's so important to bring the better education that people learn about different cases of stories. So, so important education, uh, not just, again, in business, because in some way, I will, uh, since maybe because I'm from business, but I, I, I want always to try to, to get the best from the management tools that we have in business, because in some way you are managing again with a country, and in some ways even with it's more hard. Because in some way, as you just said, church just have the word, so it doesn't have the money, doesn't have the power. It's so hard to to so. And if you are not, if you don't have all the tools of education and learning, so it's, it's, it's even worse. Okay, Tony, one thing: how many days do you make exercise? Tell me the truth. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, now nowadays it's seven days a week. It's, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to the office, so uh, <laughs> I get I get at least a one hour walk in a day, amongst amazing. other things. Uh, when when I when my gym gym was open, I would go there two or three days a week. But now it's every day. I'm perfect. I'm, I'm I do, and I would encourage people to do that for sure. Yes, I, I, I'm pushing also and and showing that successful leaders always take care of their body. It's so important to, to, be, to, to be a good, a, a really deliver a good, uh, you know, um, work. You need to really be healthy. And do you eat healthy, Tony? Well, I try. Uh, some days are better than others. Uh, I, have a, I have a weakness for chocolate, I must say. Uh, <laughs> me too, but, me too. <laughs> uh, 
I, I for lunch I, today I had a I had a salad with, uh, with chicken chicken salad. So I feel that that was fairly healthy. I must say. I, 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 talking about the chocolate, I have a coffee with Nutella before the, the meeting. Ah, okay, yeah, that'll that'll get you going. For sure. I know, I know. Okay, what time do you get to sleep, Tony? What time do we go to sleep? Usually around um, between eleven and eleven thirty. Okay, and wake up. Uh, usually about six fifteen. Perfect. And um, if you need to recommend a book, just one. What you? What would be your recommendation? Aside from the Bible which, uh, um, I, you know, I, as a Christ follower, uh, there's lots of wisdom uh, f from the Bible. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, I'm more of a nonfiction reader than a fiction reader. I just uh, finished about last month um, uh, a Ron Chernow biography. I learned a lot from biographies. And Ron Chernow is the uh, American author who wrote the book on Alexander Hamilton, that has become a major Broadway phenomenon with uh, the uh, Broadway musical Hamilton, but it was based on Chernow's book on Hamilton, which I read well before uh, uh, it was thought to have a Broadway play. Then he wrote another book, uh, and these are all large books, you know, a thousand pages or whatever. Uh, and uh, the next one he wrote was on George Washington, which was a great single volume work on Washington. And the latest book he wrote, uh, he was on Ulysses S. Grant, who was the great uh, uh, army leader during the Civil War. He won, won the battles for the North and forced the surrender of the South and then became a two-term president. So, which is, you know, uh, very, know. very interesting. Yeah, very interesting fellow. fellow. So <laughs> those, those I've enjoyed reading very much. You were not an exception. All the leaders, even the most tough CEOs that I've been interviewing, they are all, for me, it's very impressed, all recommend um, more um, deep books, spiritual books, instead of business book. And, and uh, I'm super surprised because for me, kind of the, the top books that I have in my mind are more about business. But I'm super impressed and learning from this conversation that leaders that I admire Oh my God, the, the number one book that they have is more about how to be a good person, how more spiritual thing than just a business. And the last question, my lovely Tony, an advice in this crazy time, what is the advice to the people that are listening for, from you? Well, again, I'll go back to the start of this interview and talk about adversity. We're in adverse times, uh, times where people uh, understandably get anxious, Uh, we're in changing times where our institutions are being questioned, sometimes rightly, sometimes not, sometimes not so well by people who want to destroy the institutions and what would replace them would not be necessarily better. Uh, so we are in times of adversity and times of anxiety. So look after your mental health. That's very important. Do not let that slip. Have ways to deal with anxiety, uh, whether it's prayer or meditation. Uh, things that uh, keep your body whole and holistic, uh, and uh, also uh, believe believe that we can get through uh, these adverse times, and that uh, I'm I still believe that better days are ahead, uh, and uh, that's what I would encourage people to believe as well. I'm 100% with you, Tony. Thank you very much for the interview. I, I big, send you a big hug and hope to see you soon. I don't know in what part of I the world. Yeah, I would like that as well. Thank you so.